This is a Media 8 production. This podcast may have explicit themes and swearing and may not be suitable for children. Safety culture out there is huge, but they're pushing it that hard that, you know, you're constantly doing take fives, you're constantly doing JHAs, you know, all day you're writing down what's wrong with this job, what can kill us, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're just training your brain more to look what's wrong. And then they go home and, you know, what's wrong with their wife? What's wrong with their kids? What's wrong with their life, you know? And I was like, this now makes sense. The world is full of amazing people. And once a week, I get the opportunity to interview one of them. My name is Brett McCallum, and this is Awesome Human. Our Awesome Human today is a champion of mental health and well-being. EEHA inspector, entrepreneur, salesman, strategic planner, public speaker, and all-round great guy, Ryan Baker. Brains and director behind Breaking Through, Ryan's runs a retreat based in the stunning Byron Bay, one of my favourite places in the world, focusing on personal growth, nutrition and health. The goal is to bring people out of their self-doubt into a place of personal fulfilment. With zero judgment, it allows for one to take away valuable tools and skills to improve mental health and embrace a positive outlook on life. When he isn't seen inspecting electrical equipment in hazardous areas or hitting the surf, Ryan promotes fun in an interactive environment through learning and personal growth. A fighter for those suffering in silence, this man has a rare desire to help others overcome feelings of self-doubt and to take people down a path of overflowing self-compassion. Wow, one of my favourite topics. This is going to be awesome. What a truly awesome human. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you for that How's intro. That for an intro? <laughs> yeah, beautiful. That's pretty impressive, isn't it, eh? <laughs> <laughs> so you like surfing? Yeah, I um, only just got into it recently. Um, I'm actually originally from North Queensland, which, as you Doesn't know, really have th- much surf. there's no surf. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, when I moved down here, I thought I'd give it a crack. And uh, it's definitely a difficult sport, but for me, it's like my moving meditation. 100%, mate. Isn't it amazing that what the force of nature can actually physically do? It just astounds me that. Yeah, it's got a certain type of energy to it. And when I'm out there, I'm free and it just clears everything for me and I come back a different person. Like, That's literally. good, Yeah, 100%. Good, so I do a lot of paddling, yep. not, not so much surfing, but, so, yeah, well. I, I try. <laughs> So you're a champion paddler. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Mate, way I always like to start these is finding out sort of a lot about you and your early years. What's your first ever memory? How far back can you go? Uh, first ever memory would probably be back to about four or five. Um, yeah, I grew up on a little country town. And, yeah, it was definitely. Uh, what was yeah. the memory? Is there anything vivid that sticks in your brain? Um. Yeah, probably just being on the farm and and playing on my push bike, I suppose. Yeah, yeah that was uh, like sports and adrenaline sports is something that's always been a part of my life. Uh, and I, I realise now why I liked it so much because uh, I suffered from a lot of anxiety, which uh, is very closely linked to uh, adrenaline. So okay. I realised that that was my way of sort of getting that feeling of, of a rush without sort of um, – Doing through going through the the motions of uh, anxiety, so yeah. So it was your way of getting away from things, really? Yeah, pretty much. It's pretty funny how the body works, isn't it? Even at such a young age, like um, the different dopamines and endorphins and all that sort of stuff, and yeah. to actually find the way you can do that at such a young age to sort of counteract is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you probably don't know you're doing it, but at the same time, you look back now and think, "Oh, wow, that's why I did." That. Yeah. Well, once I looked into and did a lot of research and study myself, I finally made all the links, and it all kind of made sense later on in life. You know, human behavior is something that um, we can all link back to 
you know, back to, you know, even the, you know, 50,000 years ago, back when we were in the, in the Stone Ages. And, yeah. uh, cause our brain, our reptilian brain is the strongest part of it. It's our subconscious. And that's been wide a certain way for, for many, many years. And it's, it's very hard to get ourselves out of a certain behavior sometimes. Yeah. That's amazing. So where were you born? Uh, Home Hills. I don't know if you'd know where that Where's is. Home Hills. <laughs> Uh, Home Hills in North Queensland. It's about an hour south of Townsville. So, okay. Yeah. And did you go to school there and that's where you grew up? Yeah, so I grew up there uh, until about 15. And at 15, I got sent to boarding school down in Brisbane Okay. at uh, Nudgee College. And, yeah, uh, look, I, I definitely had a, an awesome childhood living on a farm. We had motorbikes and we had all the freedom. Uh, um, Do you remember those times well? Like, can you can you sit here and think about those times with with a smile on your face or sadness? How, how does that work? Um, yeah, oh, there's plenty of good times, and there's also a lot of uh, difficult times and times now that I look back on and have created uh, a trauma, I suppose, and it's things that I'm even currently working through now. So, and have you dealt with those traumas from back then? Uh, oh, that's what you're doing now. You're dealing with that stuff. Yeah, look, I've dealt with most of them, but uh, life always springs up. this one little deep one that comes up every now and again. And I mm-hmm. think through life, uh, that's the whole part of life is when things come up, you've got to learn to deal with them. And I've been lucky enough to, you know, to find plenty of tools that really work and you know, help people work through their traumas. And once I've done it for myself a few times and I was really – you know, I really knew what I've got works, and then now it's time to you know share it with the with the other people, and because I, I don't like people to feel the way I felt yeah. uh, when I was going through them difficult times. So I kind of feel like it's my duty now to go out there and and, and, help and, them. and to teach what I know. Yeah, definitely. That's awesome. So let's go. So you went to primary school, infant school, that sort of stuff. Do you remember those days? Yeah, definitely. Um, a good kid, bad kid, <laughs> nerd, jock. Well, it depends who you ask. Do you? <laughs> If you ask my mum, well, maybe not. But uh, no, look, you know, I was always into sport, so that was like my kind of outlet. And and same same reasons, like I just the adrenaline, I suppose, is something yeah. that I was always chasing. Um, and I suppose you know that's where your trauma starts. So a lot of people's trauma comes from uh, their parents, because your subconscious is basically um, developed from the ages of or in the womb till six years old. And the person you're hanging out with most in that time is your is your parents, yeah. So yeah, now looking back on it, um, I can look back on you know why you know I'm doing the things that I'm doing. It's coming from you know my parents, and not that I blame my parents. My parents, you know, are beautiful people, and they've always done the best they can for me. Uh, but it's funny how us as kids we interpret things a little bit differently. To what might actually be reality, and you know, scientists are now proving that fifty percent of our memories is absolutely made up. Oh, really? Yeah. So we're very good at telling a story, and it's just kind of like you know when you catch a fish. By the yeah. time you tell your fifth mate, the fish is a meter long. Yeah, not, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? So we do that even with our traumas. So that's why a lot of people, um, when they talk about their traumas, it gets worse and worse because they, it's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like they want it to be worse because that gives them an excuse then to, to stay stuck in that feeling and just stay stuck in in, in that uh, emotion and where when, they're at. When you say trauma, are you happy to talk about these things now or, or is it still something that's that's rough around the edges for you? No, or? I'm definitely happy to talk about it. It's part of my story and that was one of the biggest things um, growing up was I tried to hide 
like I lived behind this mask and because I was trying to hide the trauma, trying to hide the guilt and the shame of, of some things that happened in my past. And it's just not healthy for your body to, to not release these type of things. So it got to a point where I just, you know, let it all out. It just felt so much better. Yeah. And because a lot of people have this misconception of, if you do open up to your emotions, especially being a guy, uh, it's looked upon as being weak. Oh, yeah, because blokes are rah, 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 tough. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, this really annoys me. It really pisses me off because there's so many guys out there now that don't show their emotions and then they don't say how they feel and then they end up going down the path of, you know, suicide and self-harm. Yeah, and that. Yeah. It's, it's, sort of, it's a full stop, isn't it? It's like... There, yep. There's way, way too much of that um, that, that happens in this world, and especially to, to blokes. And I mean, I've been through a bit, a fair bit of trauma myself, um, and dealt with it, and got help, and did all those sort of things. And I'm the first to stand up and say, "Hey, you need to talk about this this stuff." Um, yesterday was actually Suicide Prevention Day, and it was. Uh, the numbers that um, the statistics that show, oh, man, it's it's unbelievable how many. Um, even young kids nowadays, because as you say, they're not they're not taught to to deal with their emotions. No, that's right. And um, I think the 2017 figures was 3,187 people committed suicide in Australia, and that's the people that actually did commit suicide. And the figures are so much higher for people that actually attempted to. Yeah, uh, and actually. And that's in Australia, and I think worldwide, because I know men are obviously a lot more prone to women. I think five hundred thousand worldwide committed suicide last year. Now here's the stats from yesterday: eight Australians attempt suicide every hour, eight Australians die by suicide every day, and six Australians who die by suicide each day are men. Yep, that's insane. That's every day, every hour. Like, I'm, it just blew me away when I saw those stats yesterday. It's like, it, it's unbelievable. And, and my, people know, know my story and, and people know that, that I've gone through that dark patch and got bitten by the black dog and all that stuff. And I think for you to come out and actually talk about this stuff is fucking awesome. Like, well done, buddy. Like, yeah, thank you. It, it's something that, that takes, a, I reckon, a true man to be able to actually stand up and go, now, fuck it, I'm not too strong for this. I'm not too too proud I'll, uh, I'll talk about my trauma because you talk about this stuff and that means other people also then think, oh, actually, it's okay for them. Like this, this young, good-looking bloke who surfs or paddles and, uh, <laughs> and can talk about this stuff, so maybe I can too. Yeah, and I think that's one of my biggest strengths is once I started opening up and seeing so many people around me going, well, connecting with me because they were like, well, I'm the same. And yeah. So I've always been a person that wears my heart on my sleeve and I, I think, you know, that then allows another person to open up. Like I've had people, you know, I had a 10-minute conversation with people and I'll tell them, you know, about like sexual abuse and stuff when I was a kid. And they yeah. were like, you know, this, they just look at me like I've only known it for 10 minutes, but then 15 minutes later they're telling me their life story. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, it's only because I was able to be vulnerable, which opened up the doors for them then to be vulnerable and talk about it. And And that's what we need to be doing. And we need to be going out there and, you know, I, I hear it all the time. I'm working at the mines and stuff, and you see, you know, everyone's trying to be tough. You know, everyone's trying to hide their emotions, and it just really annoys me. Even when someone does open up, you know, you have someone going, "Oh, look at this pussy," you know what I mean? Right? It's like you, you're part of the problem. You know what yeah, I mean? 100%. Because then that person they are going to shut down, yep, and they're not going to talk about it. They're going to bottle it up, and then it's going to be too much. Because 
or they can't talk about it to anyone. Uh, um, it's it's so true. So let let's go back there. Let's go back to your school life. What what what's the what, what school did you go to? Went infant school. What was your first school? Uh, Home Hills State Primary School. How many kids live in Home Hills? <laughs> Sounds like three of us. <laughs> hey, come on, there's four. Sorry. That's no. <laughs> all my kids. That's all my family. No, nah, I think there's 300, so it's not so small. It's probably, yeah. The town's probably about 5,000 people. Oh, okay. And then it's in like a district of Home Hill and Air, which is called the Burdick. It's okay. about 15,000, so it's not super, super small. <laughs> uh, but yeah, definitely, yeah. But yeah. everyone knew everyone. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And you can't get away with anything, you know. Yeah. You fight at one end of the street by telling you the other and you shit yourself, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so infant school and that sort of stuff, we, did, did you study? Did like did you give a shit at all? Like even through primary school and stuff? Yeah, look, I did. Um, very heavily influenced by my parents. They were quite uh, strict in that aspect. But for me, sport was everything. I went to yeah. school for sport, you know what I mean? And that was something that I was good at, something that got my mind out of, thinking you know negatively and so i just was very you know drawn to that and i did it as much as i could and you know i was very fortunate to be quite good at it as well so yeah to leave the local town and playing like representative sides and stuff like that yeah 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 yeah, which definitely helped so Um, what was your sport oh you name it i think at at primary schools definitely swimming tennis i think we started boxing back then as well so and then there was motorbikes. Uh, that motorbikes was my biggest passion, but unfortunately, uh, my mum didn't quite like it because the injuries. And we, <laughs> I had a mate that died as well on a motorbike. Yeah, and um, I know people can't see it, but that's sort of one of the. Holy <laughs> Jesus! He's just turned his arm sideways and it points the wrong way. Okay, let's not do that again. No. <laughs> Thanks anyway. <laughs> my daughter can actually do that with her arm. So she turns her arm, she must be double jointed. Double jointed, yeah. And it turns all over. Oh, it makes me feel, way. That's, that's not good at all. Yeah, so that's obviously a bad injury then. Yeah, that's from a motorbike accident. I think I was 11 years old. So after that, mum was kind of, yeah. No more motorbikes? Well, there was, just wasn't allowed to get any faster ones or go. Okay. I wasn't allowed to race anymore after that. The was over. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I've retired at 10. <laughs> well, the adrenaline rush I got from that is like no other, so <laughs> that's why I loved it so much. So you come from this really small town. Is that where your abuse happened, in the small town? Yeah, yeah. So for such a small town that knows everyone, knows everything that goes on, that the fart at one end of the street and shit yourself at the other, <laughs> did people know? No, there was something that I was, you know, fully... Well, at the time, I was so young, I didn't really think anything of it. Okay. But once it kind of got older, um, yeah, I suppose at school, I was definitely always called like a pretty boy and stuff like that. And I used to link that that to being gay, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then I used to have all these thoughts of, you know, am I gay? You know what I mean? And that kind of created a lot of anxiety around, you know, people, do they like me or what do they think of me? Yeah. You know, we, I know we all have that on some level, yeah, but I think because uh, I'm a third generation with anxiety, so my granddad was on Valium his whole life, and my dad, uh, to this day, still has got anxiety as well. And he's kind of the type of guy that you know I'll be fine. So yeah. you know, I mean, he just buried the head in the sand, and I kind of just looked at that and just was like, "Well, I'm not letting that. I'm not going down that path. I'm going to break that chain for you know for my future generations. I don't have any kids now, but I hope to shortly." How well, old were you when you realised that you had to break the chain? More recently or when you were a kid? No, nah, well, as a kid, I I just thought it was normal. I literally yeah. thought it was normal because I didn't talk about it to anyone. I just mm-hmm. thought everyone was going through this, you know, and 
I didn't really even think about it until I suppose twenty four. Okay. Yeah. So twenty four. Um, so you'd obviously left by then because you went to Nudgee at fifteen. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. did it stop when you went to Nudgee? Stop what? The abuse. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It stopped. You know, I was from like you know six to nine or something. Mm. Yeah, so it wasn't. Um, so you just push that down in your gut and yeah, you know, yeah. yeah well, you know, what my dad, you know, did. Yeah, you push everything down, yeah, don't show yeah. any emotions, and I was just like, well, you know, just forget about it. You know, yeah. I suppose because like the shame and the guilt or whatever, and um, yeah, it's something that you know stuck with me, and I just kind of thought it would go away, uh, as I suppose we all do as men. We think we can just stuff it down deep enough. Oh, yeah, yeah, push it all away. It'll <laughs> it's come, never going to yeah. come back up. No, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so did it come back one day? Did it just come back and bite you? Or was it like a slow progression that you're thinking, oh, fuck, I remember that. Oh, yeah, you, that's not good. Yeah, so if I was to be completely honest, uh, I had a girlfriend from about 20 to 24. And, yeah, I'll be completely open and honest about it. So I uh, was cheating on her. Mm-hmm. And, but I always knew that I was like a, a good person and I didn't really know why I was cheating on this girl. Like I wasn't going out doing it like, um, consciously. It was just yeah, sort of like. It wasn't premeditated. No, it was never mm-hmm. premeditated. It was just, you know, there was obviously, or well, that time of my life, there was, you know, a lot of drugs and alcohol and stuff would obviously fueled it. Mm-hmm. But I just kind of, it just didn't make sense in my head, like what was going on. And then I was, you know, decided to go see some psychologists and that. And I just sort of. It sort of clicked to me that, you know, my whole life I've been fighting this. I don't want people to think I'm gay. And if I went out there and slept with as many girls as possible. Then you're obviously not gay. Yeah, I'm not gay, yeah, right? That's right, you know. Yeah. And um, that was the first time I ever opened up to anyone was to that girl because she was obviously very distraught. Yep. And she's like, what does it go with you? Like, you know, you're not this type of person. I can tell what type of person you are, what's going on. And I just, you know, broke down and told her. and that was my first kind of release and it just felt so good to be able to tell someone about it. So you've got like, what's that, 18 years of emotions just come out on this this poor young lady you just cheated on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and to her credit, you know what I mean? She, she helped you? She put down her hurt and her um, pain and and was there for me, you know what I mean? Oh, that's Which an amazing was, chick. It, she definitely is. Yeah. Um, and, you know what I mean, at the time, you know, she was like, oh, well, look, you know, we want to try again. And I was just like, no, I just want to sort myself out. Mm-hmm. I don't want to hurt, you know, you you anymore. Um, so, yeah, and then that got me on the road to go and see a psychologist and that. And, look, you know, there's obviously a lot of great psychologists out yeah. there. I just didn't happen to find one of them. Okay. And, yeah, I just didn't get much help from them. And then it got to a point where I was like, well, if I'm going to beat this, I'm going to have to do it myself. Um, and yeah, that's when I just started down the self-development journey, like looking into psychology, you know, neuroscience, human behavior, why we do what we do. And yeah, it kind of 24 years old. Uh, well, 24 is when I kind of first started thinking about it, but it wasn't until we'll see, I'm a real slow learner, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Um, so when life kicked me in the ass that time, I didn't really, um, like I started, but I just dabbled, you know yeah. what I mean? And it wasn't until I got another girlfriend, which, you know, at the time was, you know, a very toxic relationship, but then I'd felt so guilty for the past relationship yeah. that I kind of felt like I deserved it, if you know what I mean? Yeah, 100%. Because we have this funny notion that, um, 
the more guilty we feel, the better person we are. That's what we think. So that and that's you know we're taught this through you know if you go and you stand up on trial and you say oh I'm guilty, what do you do? You get a lesser charge. So mm. it must be good. You know what I mean? Or and mm. you know and that's the biggest bullshit um, story I've ever heard. You know, guilt is the absolutely useless emotion. Doesn't help anyone. And the more guilty you feel, then you know, you're going to be vibrating on a lower level. You're going to attract more, you know, lower vibrating situations. And you're not being the best person for you. So then you're not helping anyone else either. You know what I mean? If you're feeling guilty, then you know you're not being you're bringing your best self, which is then going to affect your friends and family. And once yeah. once you start to get to understand that, you can actually really get to a place where you just know guilt. You know, it doesn't serve anyone, including yourself. So there's no point feeling it. And it's a lot easier to say that than to do that. But uh, the first step is having the awareness that you're not helping. To hear someone say it's fucking awesome. Seriously, to hear someone to actually say those words, then people will listen. There's the whole thing. No one does it. No one says this shit, right? Everyone sort of sits behind their little closed door and, Oh shit! I, I I feel like what, what do I? They don't even know. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the unknown. And for someone to actually step out there and have a crack and do it themselves, like I've got a great psychologist, mate. Right? He saved my life a few times, and he's a fucking legend. But at the same time, I saw three others and hated them. Yeah. No, no one ever could work out what was wrong with me. And that, and that's the thing, isn't it? Like you go to these people and you go, well, "What's wrong with me? You need to tell me what's wrong with me." And it's like, actually, no, that's not what it's about. Yeah. It's actually, let's go through the process. And there is a process. And meditation, all that sort of stuff helps massively on this stuff. But oh. as a blokey bloke, you can't do that. No, <laughs> no, no, no. It's just ridiculous. So what did you go to Nudgy for? So you're 15 years old and you went off to boarding school. Was that your choice or parents' choice? Uh, well, that was my parents' choice, but they were very good at making it sound like it was my choice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, look, you know, I really love sport and I was doing quite well at sport. Okay. I was getting in a fair bit of trouble as well. And yeah. I think a few teachers sort of said to my mum, well, you know what I mean? He's hanging around with the wrong people. You know, he's got a bit of potential. Like, he'd probably do better. This could go the wrong way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, you know, like, I know that it was me acting out with this bravado, you know, trying to be, you know, tough or whatever. Because you're not gay, remember? No, That's no, right. I'm not gay. That's right. Rip. Come on, let's beat people up. You picked, yeah, yeah, you picked up. Somewhere. Yeah, and that's sort of, you know, the path that I went down and it yep. wasn't until, like I said, about 19 or 20 that I started to, to realise that, you know, it takes so much effort to be someone that you're not, you know, and just, and it's it's sad. I see people out there all the time working with so many people, you pick up on patterns and you pick up yep. on, so I'm usually pretty good at reading, pe- people. reading people. And the hardest thing is, is you know, and I've learned this the hard way. Like I was always, I'm going to help this person. You know, I'm going to help everyone. But if they're not ready to be helped, yeah, like, you, you can't do. And I've literally hurt, probably done more hurt than good in the earlier years. You know, by trying to force it. By trying to force it, you know. Because <laughs> when, you, when you've been in that place, you know, you just feel for them. You know, you hurt mm. for them and you really want to try and help them. But, you know, they just thought if they're not ready to be helped, then. 100%. So going through Nudgy, was it a good school? Did you enjoy it? Oh, look, at the start, I hated it, obviously, just because I was away from home. You know, I come from yeah. a small country town, this big city. You know, people there were so much. Were like, accepted or were you classed as the outcast? Or I suppose there's probably a few people going to boarding school. At, yeah, you know, yeah. No, look, I, I was, but I've always had this, I think it's through the anxiety and through all the, you know, stuff that I always just felt that, 
people didn't like me, you know. Yeah. And I know to some level we all have have that. We all want to be liked. Um, and this goes right back to, you know, like I said before, like the last sixty thousand years. You know, back we've lived most of our life as in a tribe. Yeah. And you know, there might be a hundred people in that tribe. So for you to be liked is really, really important because if you're not, then you could potentially die or mm. not reproduce, you know. So natural selection is going to be like, we're going to install in you that you've got to try and be liked. Yeah, of course. Uh, so, yeah, and that plays out today. But unfortunately, a lot of our wiring from them st- uh, old ages don't apply today. You know, you, yeah. you can be not liked by the whole of Brisbane or the Gold Coast and mm. you can move to Sydney next week. Yeah. You can be unlike there and then move to Melbourne next week, you know what I mean? So it doesn't really matter, whereas they had a certain tribe where they had to be like because that's where they lived for their whole their whole life, you know what I mean? So boarding school is like a tribe, very much so, because you actually move into a place where you can't get out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and you're stuck in like these houses or, or like where in the area and you don't leave the school very often, you know what I mean? Like it actually is very tribal if yeah, you it's that ve- yeah it's very um, you all eat together you all sleep like it's just one of those things like uh, going back in the dark ages really when you think about it yeah 100 percent. and you know it's i feel sorry for people that go there and don't fit in and you know i had points there where i thought i didn't fit in but now that i look back on it with a clearer mind and, and knowing what i know now it's like well I actually did and mm. i've always just had that um feeling or we all have it is that unworthiness, you know what yeah. I mean? And that's that's a huge factor. And that well, 90% of the times it comes down to, you know, who did you not get the most love from from one of your parents and who did you want it from? Yep. Uh, and, you know, you go to like Tony Robbins events, you go to all these events and they stand up there and someone says something and the first thing they say was, well, who did you not get the love from the most? Or what happened to you when you were a child? Yeah. And you hear all these people Oh, how did he know? It's like, well, that's 99% of people, you know what I mean? <laughs> he's <laughs> a genius. Yeah, he's a genius. How do you pick up on that? <laughs> uh, but once you are in the space long enough, you tend to, you know, every, you can pretty much link every trauma comes back down to a feeling of unworthiness. Yeah. Um, and that's sort of something that I'm diving into deeply now because that's still something that triggers me. And yeah, that's that's the our earliest memories and our earliest memories and our earliest traumas are obviously our biggest ones. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and that's the ones that we got to dive down, do the work, and and you know get ourselves at, at the other side. So, yeah. yeah, very very true. So, did you um you graduated from Nudgee? Did you finish, or when did you leave there? Yeah, I graduated from Nudgee, two thousand one. So was that year twelve? Yeah. And what well, what did you want to do, like? When you went there, you, you're obviously playing sport, you're doing all that. Your parents told you it was your idea. Woo-hoo, let's go. <laughs> but then what, what was your mission? Did you want to be a sparky? Did you want to be a policeman? What, what was the whole sort of mission? Well, at that point, I wanted to be a physiotherapist. Okay. Um, I didn't quite get the OP for that. Yeah. And then sport teacher was my next thing because obviously sport is something that I love. Yeah. And I know in year 12, because like, I was really good at tennis, and one of our uh, sports was tennis um, at school. So even the teacher was like, Ryan, can you take the class? You obviously know a lot more oh, really? about tennis than what I know. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I went and taught half the class and he taught the other half the class. And that's when I kind of went, well, you know what? School, t- you know, sport teacher would be quite Could fun. This, you know? yeah. yeah. So I uh, got into that. And... So did you go to uni for that? Was that the, the plan? Yeah, that was the plan. Um I think alcohol and drugs got in the way of that one yeah. a little bit, so uh, I didn't finish it. 
And that's when I sort of went through a bit of a bad period of just, you know, bumming around different jobs here and there, playing up, making a lot of bad life decisions. Right. Are you still in Brisbane or you, did you go no, back home I was back, I was back home for that one. Yeah, I went to okay. uni in Townsville. Yep. Yeah. So then you became a sort of a bit of a, a rough head in Townsville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, could, you could put it that way. Yeah. yeah well, I mean, a lot happens a lot. And and the thing is, we don't get taught how to do this stuff. It just happens. And then at the same time is then the uh, the booze and someone offers you a ping arrow or something like that. And then it all sort of goes downhill from there, doesn't it? But <laughs> it the thing is, certainly you come does. Out of it. Like you actually found a, a way to get out of that. Lots of kids don't. Yeah. Lots uh, of people don't. 100%. And like I said, um, you know, it's like any profession, I suppose, is that you're going to have people that go to work just because it's the job and you're going to have people that go to work who actually really enjoy their job and, and want to help, you know. And, yeah. and I think it's real important if you're going to see a psychologist to find the right one that, you know, is there for the right reasons, just not there for a paycheck. And the right one for you as well because yeah, you get too. on with different people about different things and, like, some blokes would rather speak to a woman or some blokes would rather speak to a bloke. And, like, my psychologist is a, an ex-rugby league player who um, is just a dude, but he also is very spiritual and he does the whole meditation thing. And Perfect. he took he took me down angles. I'm sitting there, what the fuck is going on here? <laughs> Close your eyes, think of the I'm sitting there going, that's not me. And then all of a sudden it became, and it's become part of my daily ritual. It's oh, like, credit to him, mate. Credit mate, to him. He's awesome. That, that is good. We, we host another <laughs> podcast together called The Third Beer where we talk about shit blokes don't talk about. And the whole purpose of that is for this. They're telling these stories that people can actually listen to and go, oh, fuck, maybe I need to go and see somewhere or maybe I need to talk to my wife or my boyfriend or my husband or whatever in regards to that. And that that's really important, especially today. Yeah, yeah, but definitely. Those statistics are just fucked up. It is. It is. And really, um, so I'm in the mining industry now. Yep. And the statistics out there are the worst. Obviously, it's the worst demographic having, you know, men from, you know, 25 to 50 or whatever. But the the rate of suicides out there is um, absolutely ridiculous. And it really grinds my gears that they'll have a safety issue where someone's, you know, died from a safety breach. Oh, shut the site down. You know what I mean? There's big dramas. You have big meetings. You know, it's, you know, it's bigger than Ben-Hur. But then, you know, three people commit suicide and nothing gets said. It's like. It's the unspoken. Yeah, it literally is. And, you know, not to. Well, no, it is. It's it's just companies. It, it comes down to the bottom dollar. Of course it does. So when it comes to. It doesn't a, shut the mind down and cost a million bucks an hour because some bloke's topped himself at his own home. That's yeah, <laughs> they they do it. No, well, they even if they do it at camp on site, yeah. it doesn't matter because they don't get charged or they don't get any repercussions from a suicide because they can then go well he had family issues at home it's not got to do with work that's atrocious yeah but then if it happens as a workplace incident then they do get in big trouble so now it's you know what i mean so it all comes down to camp it's a workplace incident nope wow i know and this is why i've gone now into the field of creating awareness out the minds yeah Um, so i was doing like a lot of personal coaching and doing a lot of retreats and helping people in here yeah but, um, yeah, I kind of run out of money with, uh, with that business. And I was like, well, I've got to go back out the mines again. Mm-hmm. And I went back out there and, you know, I just kept talking my talk and just, you know, keep talking my truth. And, you know, doors opened up out there. So I was able to start running presentations out there and uh, making a real difference. So, and now I'm basically approaching mining companies. And I've actually got a meeting with a mine manager next week at uh, Duga River. So hopefully, and we've 
they've had two deaths, uh, suicides on that site. And we had a big safety breach. I just a big safety meeting the other day. The whole of Queensland, mining Queensland, shut down for two hours to do a talk because six people died in the last six months in mining through a workplace injury. And how many suicides? Yeah, like you know, twenty four or something. You know what I mean, so but not, nothing, like nothing gets said about that. And I was sitting there seething, listening to this, and I was like, "Don't say anything, Ryan. Don't say anything." Why? Because it wasn't the right forum. You know what I mean? I wasn't going to stand up in front of everyone. And just, so what I said, I was like, look. And so straight away after that meeting, I went and grabbed the underground manager. And I said, look, mate, I need to have a chat with you. I sat him down and I was like, this is bullshit. You know what I mean? This is absolute crap. And I explained to him, you know, what I do, you know, what I was able to do um, up, at, up at the Itchies Project, you know, the presentations I was doing and what, what I want to implement. Because at the moment they're like, well, we've got, We've got mates in mining. We've got mates in construction. You know, we're doing our part. And I'm like, what you're doing is waiting for people to get sick, and then you're offering them like help. A, a, ban- a help or a band aid. So it's basically like in the mining. If I, you know, do you send people out to work without any um, like safety systems or whatever? You know, there's nothing in place for their mental health for prevention. It's all mm. if something happens, and yet. It's complete opposite for safety. Like everything's about prevention and safety, and they know that because that's what's important. So why are they not doing the same thing with mental health? Why are we not teaching these people, you know, what the mind frame, you know, and where we need to be, so you don't get hit with the black dog. You don't, or when you do, you've got the tools already and the strategies already in oh, places, yeah. the practices. Because mm. my big thing is gratitude, you know, because gratitude is looking for what's right instead of looking for what's wrong. So how do you learn all this stuff? So we, we let's go back. You were, you were 24. You obviously broke down to that girl and you told her what was going on and then you went out and then you sort of moved on with life a little bit, felt a little bit better. Then when, when did it come to you that actually, fuck, I've got to do something really big about this? Like you couldn't find the right psychologist and those sort of things, so you made a conscious decision to doing it yourself. Yeah, so it wasn't until the second time, uh, like I said, there was a toxic relationship yeah. and – we were doing a lot of um, amphetamines, mm-hmm. and my like I pretty much was I'm pretty much nearly lost my mind. Like I, I remember sitting there one night, and I was like, "Yep, this is what it's like to lose your mind." Like, and I was like, "What am I going to do? You know, do I just end it now?" Or I I remember just sitting there, and I remember just praying that if you you know I said, "God, if you could get me out of this," that Are you religious. Um, at that point, like I am, um, I'm not really, I've called more spiritual than anything. Yeah, no, fair call. Um, oh, it's just interesting you went and asked God. Yeah, well, at that point there, I saw, like I... You're obviously tripping off your head as well. So. <laughs> no, it was weird. So growing up, I suppose, I didn't understand. Like I always knew there was something else out there. I always knew there was more to, to what this is. And I suppose being a, such a young kid, you're not exposed to spirituality so mm. god was all the you know religious yeah, was the next kind of thing but i never ever believed in church because i used to go there and just see the people there and go you're not really no. you know what i mean so it was just my own kind of thing that i used to mm-hmm. and i remember just saying like you know if you can help me out of this i'll promise to dedicate the rest of my life to helping other people do it and that was at 27 so that's when it all kind of started and uh, did you get off the drugs <clears throat> straight away or did you have to go to rehab or how'd that work no, I pretty much got off the drugs. Just stopped straight away. Yeah, obviously there was like a couple of times afterwards where yeah, well, you know, but, relapses. Yeah, but uh, do your parents know all these stories? 
Oh, yeah. So when they listen to this, are they going to get a surprise? Nah, not really. Okay. Um, like I said, I've been pretty open and honest about it. Yeah. And, I, you know, they may not know to, to this extent. Oh, no, they would know to this extent, I think. So during that time, because obviously at the, you're, you're taking drugs and all that <clears> sort of stuff to mask shit. When you, when you look at and you think back now, it's because you weren't happy with yourself, whether it was anxiety or any of that sort of stuff, or whether it was the, the abuse from sort of six to nine. Um, those sort of things, it's like you're, you're masking stuff, aren't you? Because you don't want to deal with shit. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to deal with the shit. And I know for me, because I was always in that stress response um, through anxiety, so taking an upper gives you that same stress response. So it yeah. kind of felt sort of normal to me, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and I remember... It all kind of makes sense now. Even now, like, I've got to be really careful even with, like, taking coffees or, like, pre-workouts or stuff because yeah. I know it brings on that same stress response will then bring on sort of an anxiety for me. So mm-hmm. I try to keep away from He says as he's sitting here drinking coffee. It's a tea, thank <laughs> oh, you. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, shit, how do I exit in a hurry? <laughs> nah. But, now it's, it, it interests me because – like, obviously, you've gone through trauma, and that's not your only trauma. You've gone through multiple traumas throughout your life at different stages, and they're different things. Um, a, a good mate of mine was on stage one day. He was, I thought he was going to talk about social media, and he said, I'm going to read the first chapter out of my new book. And he said, I can still see the blood stain in my underwear. And I looked up and going, what the fuck? And he's gone um, and then told the story of his abuser and how he was abused as a child. And we were really good mates, and none of us knew. So I went up to him halfway through fucking crying, saying to him, man, like, why didn't you tell anyone? Why couldn't we help you through that process? Like, I was with you most days of, the, of your <clears> life and no one ever knew. And he goes, my parents didn't know, no one ever knew. And my my explanation to him was like, I felt really bad that I couldn't help him then, but no one could. He went through that himself. And I didn't understand that. Like, to me, that was foreign because that never happened to me as a child. But he said, like, it was normal. Like I didn't know whether this was happening to everyone else around me. I didn't. And it was like, wow. And that's obviously the same story that, that you've just sort of told. And I said to him was, do you know who the abuser is? And he goes, yeah, I do. I said, do you know where he lives? And he goes, I do. I said, well, why don't you want to fucking kill him? And he goes, because he goes, I've thought about it many, many times. He goes, but what's that going to help? The guy's got family, he's got kids, he's got this sort of stuff. And I just sit there going, wow, I don't know how I deal with that. So my question to you in that case is, how do you deal with that? Um, so I was very fortunate enough to, through my studies, and to find a guy called Dr. Martini. I don't mm-hmm. know if you know of who yeah, he yeah, is. Definitely. Yeah, So he's got a thing called the Breakthrough Experience, and it's really, really powerful. So his belief, and it's actually science, it's not woo-woo, it's not whatever, yeah. is there's actually an equal amount of good and positive in any situation. doesn't matter what it is. You just got to look for it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. we tend to focus always on the negative side yeah. of things. Um, so then I just tend to, one, looked at the positive side to it and then equaled it out inside my mind so I can realize that it was not a bad experience. And two, I just you've really got to come from a place of compassion for that other person because you know, nine times out of ten, that's what happened to them, and mm-hmm. they're just repeating a pattern, and they don't know any better themselves. You know, like, and I, I really think that's what it is. Is a lot of people when they go through something, or they've got a parent that you know they they dislike, you'll go one of two ways. You'll either follow that person and do them, or you'll do the complete opposite. Yeah. you know what I mean. 
So they did a study on a hundred um, twins, and one of them was always like in jail, and the other one was really successful. And they always and they went to study them and said, "Well, why are you the way you are?" And they both come back with the exact same answer: "Oh, it's because my mum, or because my dad did this." Really? Yeah. So yeah. it's just it's all about perception. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean, one looked at it as like that's I'm never doing that, and one looked at it was well I have to do that. that's what was done to me. So that's a big thing that, and the same as the Demartini, you know, you either look at the good side of things or you look at the bad side of things. It's your choice and it's up to you to then look for what's right instead of looking for what's wrong. And then just come from a place of compassion because you don't really know the other person's story and what they've been through. Like they could have been through way worse than what they've done to you. And they, you know, could, that's just what, you know, how they've kind of come out with it. So. So what's, what makes you stop wanting to choke them out or, you know, you know what I mean, of being sort of, of getting back at them? Like you look at the, the positives, let's use that word, and compared to the negative of it. and that's Well, I actually talked to this person and confronted this person. Oh, you did? Yeah, and they broke down and said, well, that's what was done to me and that's what... Um, How'd that conversation go? Well, we were drunk at the time, so it was kind of... I just said, this is something I've got to get off my chest and you know what I mean? So... Um, to clarify, like it wasn't an elderly person. It was another person around a similar age. Mm-hmm. So they'd had an older person done it to them. Yeah. And they were then told, this is a game that you adults play. This is what you got to do. So he didn't even know any better either. Okay. So then, you know, he did. Did he remember doing it? Yeah. He stuffed it down, but, but he definitely yeah. remembered. Yeah. And then, you know, to the same extent, you know what I mean? Because I didn't know, then I did it to other people as well mm-hmm. at an age of six years old thinking this is what everyone does. You yeah. know what I mean? So then I had that guilt as well, and I rung up that person and I confronted them and said, "Look, you know, I feel really bad about this. I, I was only six. You know, it was done to me, blah blah." And that person was like, "Wow, well, like I've actually already forgiven you for that, but the fact that you've got the balls to now call me up because that must be really Man, tough." I'm tingling, seriously, that's and, fucking. And amazing. you know what I mean? And I healed from it, and he healed from it, and the other person healed from it because I said, "Buddy, I don't even blame you at all. Like you're the one that." it done to you yeah and i'm actually still good mates with that person right now oh mate i'm, I'm yeah that's awesome seriously yeah right now, because for you to have the ability to do that is fucking unbelievable so like hats off to your champ because to deal with it and i can see you're getting emotional now as well and a little bit mate, oh so am i it's just like that that's awesome and the fact that you can you can talk to people about it i think is the key to that is is the fact that You've approached them. Like, imagine that bloke sitting back going, oh, yeah, I've dealt with it. I've forgiven him. And then you ring him out of the blue and you sit there going, mate, I'm sorry. It's like, poof, fuck, it just clears everything up. It does. Doesn't yeah. it? Like, it's like no one knew any better. You're all the same age. Like, you're, you're six years old. Like, I've got a 10-year-old boy and I've got, a, like, I've got four kids. But, like, that 10-year-old's got no idea about life. And as you say, what, what is it from, from birth to six, you're still sort of learning. You're still in the womb type thing. It's like the motherly instinct, all that sort of stuff is like your brain's not even developed enough. Yeah. So basically yeah, from zero to six, you know, that's where you can't really make decisions for yourself. So you haven't actually developed the prefrontal cortex mm. and, and analytical mind. So you still just got that reptilian brain, which is like your instincts, your, yeah, your survival instincts. So your, your subconscious is just basically absorbing 100%. doesn't have to go through your filter or nothing. So that's why you've got to be very careful on how you bring kids up from zero to six because you're installing straight into their subconscious, into their hardware of what so beliefs true. and what, you know, what, how they're going to be when they're older. 
And how hard is it to change our beliefs now? We're this age. Man, it's so, it's, it's, quite, it's funny you say that. My new book that I'm writing is called Kids Aren't Born Assholes, They're Taught to Become Assholes, right? Very true. And it is. It's that whole zero to six because that's where they learn all these behaviours. Dad's coming there and, fuck it, this, fuck it, beating up mum or whatever. Oh, that's all I've got to do. That, that, that's like the way life is because, as you say, that's what you learn. Yeah. That's fucked up. Like It is. It they, is. And, and people need to understand that they have to parent their children. Like, that it's that simple, but to get to get back to what you've done, man, you should be so proud of yourself. Seriously, like what you've gone through and where you are now is a completely different person. Oh, it is. It's but yeah, you've done 100%. it yourself. That's the thing I love about this whole story is the fact that you've you've realised at one point, obviously tripped out of your head that oh fuck, I've got to do something about this, and then you just stop and go and have a crack yourself. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Imagine if other people did that. Like, if you can teach or, or educate others to do that, man, imagine how much better. Like, those suicide numbers that go down, not up. Yeah, and it, I don't know. I think it sucks, but a lot of people got to reach their, they call it their pain threshold. Yeah. They've got to go to a place that's dark enough that they go, they've, they've got to change, you know. And, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, I'm in such a bad place. I'm like, good, good. Mm. Use that pain. Use mm. that pain to fucking give you that drive to get out of this. Because at the moment, that's not enough pain because you're not doing anything. Mm. You know? You're talking about it, not fucking doing it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And trust me, I've had a lot of pain before. Yeah. And now, like, I'm even at a point now when I do hit something that's a lot of pain, you know, at the start, like, you know, I'll go through the same triggers, same emotions, and I might blame and I might, you know, for like a day or two yeah. until I, you know, get that expression, that emotion out. And then I'm like, I always ask myself three questions, you know. What can I learn from this? Where in me do I have to heal to fix this? And where are the positives? If I ask myself them three questions over and over every day when I'm going through a tough life, it's something tough or a situation, generally within a week or two, I can get myself out of it. So just recently... It's pretty impressive. Yeah, just recently I had a girl um, that I was seeing and you know she ended up cheating on me and leaving me for another guy. Right Now that destroyed me because that was... A, one of my biggest triggers is the unworthiness. Yeah. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm not saying this to offend my mum, but I got my unworthiness from my mother because mm. I never felt like I was good enough for her. Yep. Not because of, you know, she was loving me how she thought that I needed to be loved and she did the best that she could. So, mum, if you're listening to this, don't take any offence, please. I mean, I'm exactly same. All I ever wanted was my old man to say I'm proud of you. That's it. So yours is your dad. Mine 100%. is my mum. And, and trust me, 90% of people 100%. have got that. And um, for me, like I never felt like I was good enough. And then like when this girl, you know, slept with someone else, it triggered. I literally went back to that five-year-old kid again mm. where I just felt unworthiness. And then like my insecurity started coming out. And then she was like, you know, what's going on with you? And I'm like, well, I'm triggered as fuck. Like, you know what I mean? I'm, you know, and she, unfortunately she was unable to to like help me through that and yeah. then you know because i was feeling insecure and everything and then she felt like you know this wasn't really going to work out and you know she ended up seeing someone else and then but anyway at the end of the day you know it, it broke me it really did but it was a good chance for me to go okay what have you been teaching people when they're going to okay this is what i do practice what you preach brother. Yeah, fucking <laughs> know, 100%, you know and I did it, and I did my affirmations every day. I yeah. did them with, you know, emotion, and, you know, and I kept, you know, I love and approve myself. I love and approve myself to get for that unworthiness. And then what do I need to learn? What do I need to heal? And it really brought up 
shit, I haven't even dealt with this stuff with my mum, you know what I mean? So then I did like the breakthrough experience where you write down all the positives yeah. and then you also write down where in it in your life have you done this to someone else and get real fucking clear and get real, you know, tr- um, speak your truth and get real sort of, okay, where, and you always find some 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 what someone's done to you, you've done to someone else in your life 110%. If you didn't know that, then you wouldn't even know what that thing was, if yeah, that, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So once you kind of find in yourself where you've done the wrong thing to a similar, it's done to be exactly the same to a similar, then straight away you're going to have compassion for that person because you're like, well, I've done it. I'm not perfect. That mm-hmm. person's not perfect as well. And then you look for all the positives to then neutralize it in your brain. By looking for all the things that is right, you know, and and I know now, like since then, I've used all my tools. I am so much stronger right now. I'm dealing with the stuff, you know, with my mum with the unworthiness. And did you talk to her about that, or do you just deal with that yourself? No, um, so yeah, I did deal with that um, myself, and I'm trying to deal with that with her. It's quite difficult, but hundred percent, mate. You're, uh, you're talking to someone from a different generation. Yeah. yeah, where as you say, stuff's either just brushed under the carpet, or they do what they're told, or they it's it's a completely different beast, hundred percent. And the thing is, even though that probably happened to her as well, never admit it. No, nah. <laughs> and, nah. and and the thing with that is that as long as you deal with it your way and for you, you can't help them. Yeah, that's the key to this whole thing. And I think that's something that people need to understand is that uh, you need to help yourself before you help others. Like you're the most important person in the room, without doubt. Yeah. Because once you help yourself, the others will get helped around you. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and that, and that to me is the key to this whole thing is once you get yourself back in the right mind space, whether it's even the same as in business. If I'm running a business or doing something, I have to be at the helm. I'm the I'm the captain of the ship. If I fuck that up, the whole whole business is fucked. Mate, in life, you only get one chance. Yeah. And the thing is, if you can't captain your own ship in life, you're fucked. So, seriously, that's a technical term, obviously. Yeah. But that's the whole thing here is, like, you can't help them, guys. If they don't want to be helped, you said it yourself. If they don't want to be helped, you can't help them. Yeah, and there's no point putting blame. Like, a lot of people put blame out there. The second you blame someone else for something that's happened in your life, you're taking away your power because you can't change them and how they acted. So you're actually limiting your growth and your learning by blaming them because then you're not putting any blame on what your part of it. And then you're not going to heal and get better. So then there is actually no point to blaming anyone else. 100%. I wrote in my book, I wrote about my business failures, right? How I retired young, then fucked up, then fucked up, and fucked up. But I always blame someone else. It was always my business partner's fault. Yep. It was always there. For, and my wife said, like, I'm a very lucky bloke. I've been married for um, 23 years. We've been together for 28 years now. And the thing is, she stuck with me through this whole, I don't know what fucking why, but I'm obviously an attractive man. But, but but she stuck with me during this whole process. And I look back now and some of the shit that I put her through, it, I'm just sitting there going, why did you even stay? Because I was dealing with all this shit, but it was everyone else's fault. It was never my fault. She yeah. sat me down one day and goes, what do you mean it's his fault? You're the one that made that fucking decision. And it took her to actually sit there and have a crack at me and say, Take responsibility for your own actions. Yeah. If you take those responsibilities, whether it was you or it wasn't, you made those decisions, put your hand up, yep, I fucked up, and then you can move on. Yeah. And it was like, fuck, <laughs> there is a light. <laughs> <laughs> because once you actually see it yeah, and you can move forward with it, it changes your life. 
And like everything that happens externally out there is a reflection of your inside. Mm. You know what I mean? So, you know what I mean? I blame this person for, you know, for what she did at the start. And then I was like, as I do, okay, what did I need to learn? Where do I need to grow? You know, and I had that much feeling of unworthiness. And I went back to that little kid that as soon as you put yourself below someone and they're above you, then that's how they're going to treat you. Yeah. Like, and it's just the way it is. Unless if someone is super, super conscious, you know, people aren't going to respect you as much as what you respect yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's just through, once again, if we go back through natural selection, go back through, you know, our old programming. Because back then, you wanted people to be below you because then if you're higher and the alpha higher in the status in your little tribe, then you've got more chances of staying alive and more chances of reproducing, which is you know, what our genes are, are meant to do. So mm. um, people do this unconsciously. And then once again, I went, who have I done this to? And I went and picked you know, two girls that I'd done the exact same thing for. you know. And I was like, well, you know, I'm no different to her. I'm no better than her. I've done the same thing. So then I had more compassion for her. And then I looked at all the good things. So now, you know, my business is uh, going better than ever because I'm actually got a lot more belief in what I'm teaching because I've had to do it again for the third time. <laughs> they <laughs> always it, take three times. Yeah. I've been, I've been broke three times. <laughs> and it was, it's funny, but it, I, I, got, I got better and better mm. at it. Every time you get better at it and every time you get better at it. As long as you learn and you bounce back. That's what it's all about. Yeah, and I really feel like I have. I really feel like I've come back a stronger, more grounded uh, better person and you know I've now you know there is times there when I'll slip back to a of bit of, a bit of blame a bit of blame but then I'll go no look what I've learned you know how can I blame this person usually when you're all. on the source hey usually when you're on the source or <laughs> yeah. have a few beers you know, fuck it's everyone else's fault it, it is <laughs> <laughs> and this is another thing so I've had to like really cut down on my alcohol consumption yeah. um because I know that as soon as I do that you know that next day I can just feel it it's just not and it's just not resident. You're just getting older. <laughs> Mate, the older we get, the longer it takes to get over this. Yeah, well, that too. Uh, but, yeah, so that's a, that's another big thing. Um, and, yeah, like so it goes into, you know, the you know, I hear a lot of people out there at the moment that are doing all this people-pleasing and something that I've always done. And I was just like, you know, I want to get to the – once I've – find out something in my brain. I want to want to know. Like I want to know what's yeah. going on. I want to know what's going on with human behavior. And I try and dig and I dig and dig because my brain needs to make sense of these things. That's mm. just what it needs to do. One, because it's going to help me help other people. And two, it's going to help myself. Which is the most important thing. Yeah. So then I was like, so what is it about people pleasing? And then, well, same thing. So everything always comes back to the programming. You know, so like, you know, when we were in that tribes, you know, we obviously had to please people because if we didn't please people, there wasn't many other people. Um, we can't just move to a new tribe, you know what I mean? So you had to be liked to then transfer your genes on and all that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, but well, there has to be something else to this. So why is it that I'm people pleasing? And the biggest thing that I think is happening right now is we are telling ourselves that if we're people pleasers, what are we? We're good people, right? We're doing the right thing. We're helping people, you know, because we, you know, we, you know, we're trying to help someone. But that's the biggest load of shit. All that is is a cover up for all your insecurities, mate. Yeah, of course it is. You know what I mean, because you're you're not value you're valuing them higher than what you're valuing yourself. So you're people pleasing, and that was a big smack in the face to me. I was like, yep, this whole time I think I'm doing the right thing by people pleasing by helping others. When no, I'm just hiding up the bullshit story. That I'm insecure and I need to stand up for myself a bit more. 
And yeah, that was a big takeaway that I've got recently after what's kind of happened. And yeah, this this crazy thing calls life where it throws you, you, you know, things at the, at the time. You're like, fuck, what, what is going on? It's so true. It's and so then, true. you know, if you ask yourself the right questions, the powerful questions, and you look deep and go, come on, Ryan, let's get fucking serious about who I am, what I'm about, and what's going on. And I ask myself them questions, you know, what's going on? How can I heal? You know, what do I need to change? And what are the good? And if I just keep asking them over and over, you know, the truth comes to the surface and then I can make sense and go, you know what, everything's perfect, whole and complete. This needed to happen for me to grow. So the universe, thank you. You know, and when you come from that place of gratitude and thank you for your shitty time, mm. then that's when you can now neutralize it and move on and forgive and, and keep going on with your life. One of my favorite books is um, by Mark Manson called The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Have you ever read that? Yeah, I have read that. Uh, the, the thing I take out of it, and some people take it a different way, right? But the thing I take out of that, right, is you've got one bucket of fucks to give in your whole life. And once that bucket's empty, you've got none left, right? So the biggest thing is give a fuck about yourself, right? Number one, always give a fuck about yourself. So self-heal, like you're saying, yeah? And then only give a fuck about those around you that you need to hand these fucks out to. Help as many people as you possibly can. But at the same time is once you've got yourself into a position where you're Okay, I actually do give a fuck about myself. This is what I do. This is who I am. You're going to help people by not even trying to help them. Yeah. Because as you say, the, the gratitude's out there. Everything's out there. And the positive vibes that come out of your body are going to help people around you. You're smiling at people. You walk up to someone in the street and smile and they going to smile back at you. Yeah. You definitely. know what I mean? And that's exactly the same as life. Like the thing there is you've gone through all this pain. You've done all this stuff. You've learned from that. We move on. Happens again. It kicks you up the ass again. You do the exact same thing. But this time you change that bit and that bit because that's the bit I fucked up last time. So actually I won't do that bit again. And then you learn on the way through. That's what life's all about. It's all about learning. Yeah, it was funny because um, so I always thought my biggest issue was about the, you know, the sexual abuse and the not like feeling like I'm gay. And, you know, once I... So when did you realize you weren't gay? Well, I kind of always... Knew it, but there was just always something in the back of my yeah. mind. You know what I mean? Like, and there's nothing wrong with it. Like, if you are gay, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. And, and today, <laughs> that's the other side of it. Yeah. In, in these days, like, especially these days, it's a lot better than a lot, a lot easier for people to come out than it used to be. But it's still fucking hard. Yeah. Like, oh, it's, definitely. it's not something like, like, I don't have to come out that I'm straight. That's fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you turn it on its head and think that way. Yeah. Well, I come from a town that's 5,000 people. Exactly. So, you know what I mean? And, yeah. you know, I, I know one of my mates and he came out and I'm still mates with him now. Like, he's a good guy. But his dad literally, like, shut him off, like, from the family mm. and took him. Even now, like, he's telling people, oh, it's just a phase he's going through. Like, mm. it's <laughs> an embarrassment <laughs> to the family. Yeah. And it's, it's just, yeah, it's kind of. Yeah, it's kind of sad, really, but, yeah, um, yeah, and then this comes down to, you know, that's just how their dad was. That's the programming. Um, you know. And that's what I mean by you can't fix them, is nah. the fact that that's the way they are. And, and I love your analogy, um, or the story about the twins, is the fact one's gone one way and the other's gone the other way off the same thing. Like, things happen in people's lives, whether it's depression, whether it's anxiety, whether it's alcoholism, all that sort of stuff. You'll find that some people go one way, some people go the other way. It's like... It's the way you look at it and you view it. It's, yeah, it's, it's so true. It's fixed mindset and growth mindset, you yeah. know, and, and that's definitely. And I think it's funny you brought up that book, uh, Not Giving a Fuck. Have yeah. you read the book uh, Letting Go by David Hawkins? No. Uh, highly recommend you read that letting one. Letting Go. Yeah, Letting okay. Go. I will. I'll stick it on my Audible list. <laughs> yeah. 
So I think he explains similar to not giving a fuck, yeah. but he's a lot more scientific about it. You know okay. what I mean? So he puts a lot more facts and lot. So he's a psychologist, psychiatrist, but he, you know, you name it, he he is it kind mm-hmm. of thing. And yeah, I I found that one. Well, for me personally, gave the, a similar message, but put more facts and a bit more oomph, a bit more meat behind it. So then, because my brain needs to know why, like, you know what I mean? And, so David R. Hawkins, yeah? Let him go. Yeah, that's it. Um, it's on the list. The Pathway of Surrender. Yeah. So it's interesting you say that. So are you a reader? Do you read books? Yeah. yeah. Were you always a reader? I never read a book till 27. There you go. So it's quite funny because you go through school and everyone, oh, you must read this, you must do that, all that sort of crap. It's like, that's not the way I learned. I was shit at school because I didn't like to read. I like to go out and play footy. Uh, I like to go around around, ride me pushy, do all that sort of stuff. That was was me as a kid. Yeah. But um, I listen to audible books and stuff now, but I still don't read that much. However, I read books that actually interest me that I actually get something out of. And that's the key. So for me, all them books at school, none of them interest me at all. And I remember starting a book and just going, nah, yeah. nah. And it's not until I was doing a lot of you know, audibles and stuff and listening. And then I read somewhere that you retain the information by 40 to- uh, 40% more by reading. Oh, really? And a lot of self-development coaches and blah, they all say, you've got to read. You know what I mean? That's just something you've got to do. And then I was like, you know what? If I'm going to get serious about this, I'll do it. I started doing it. I read my first book and I retained so much yeah, more information. Yeah. And because you're not, when I'm listening, I, you know, you read, yeah, you're half, you, yeah, you're half listening. You're in the car, you're looking at what's, you know what I mean? You're yeah. only half. Try not to crash. It's well, like, don't get me wrong, it's still going in. Yeah, and I suppose the best thing about listening is you can do it anywhere. So you mm-hmm. can still be doing it. So you're still getting that input coming in. But um, yeah, when I'm reading, I'm 100% focused on the reading. And now, like, I'll always read a book twice. If it's good, just to get it in just your to head. get it in my head, and, and by doing that now, like I can, you know, state verses from what book, and yeah. you know I mean, it's, it's really sort of helped me because um, I know, like, if I'm there talking to someone else, and I won't just say something and claim it's mine. I'll be like, oh, this book has got this, you know, and this yeah. is what it says, and then because that person's like a psychologist, blah blah, whereas I'm not. Which so kind what of are you now? Well, what do you class yourself as now? Like we, previously, you were, you were an electrician, were you in the mines? What were you doing up there? Yes, I was an electrician in the mind. Right. So now what do you class yourself as? Are you a uh, self-help guru? Are you a meditator? <laughs> what do you call yourself? Um, no, I just uh, basically just claim myself as just a personal coach and just to help people. So a personal coach is the title. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and just to help people going through or as my company's called Breaking Through, so mm-hmm. just breaking through challenges. And, you know, I had a lot of backlash when I first started uh, about – Oh, who are you? You're not a psychologist. Rah, rah, all this type of bullshit. And I just, I just went to. I was thinking, you know what? To, if you walked in the room with a white coat on and a stethoscope around your neck, and you did the exact same thing you do now, and you called yourself doctor, why everyone to fucking listen? Yeah. Isn't that stupid? I, uh, I, it, it's like, who cares? That I'm, I'll tell you what. That psychologist who studied for six years and that's all they've done hasn't had any of the fucking trauma I've had. And that's exactly what I was just about to say. That's and my answer to them every single time is, would you climb Mount Everest with someone that's climbed it or someone that's studied how to climb it? And they go, oh, someone that's climbed it. I'm like, well, there's your fucking answer, mate. <laughs> 100%. 100%. <laughs> it's so true. You know what I mean? Like, And even now, like, well, I'll do like a Facebook video or whatever. I'll talk about something. And people just message me out of the blue and go, 
mate, you actually fucking get it. Like I can mm. tell by the way you just said that that you get it. Mm. And I had one guy, it was funny, I did a video about like your neurological pathways and how we can change our thinking and, and all that type of stuff. And he went to one of his psychology sessions and the guy was like trying to explain it and he was like, wasn't quite getting it. He's like, hold on a minute, is this what you mean? Picked up my video and like showed it to really? him. And the guy was like, yeah, that's a perfect example of what I was trying to say. And then the guy like running back and goes, mate, I just cancelled my psychologist. I'm coming to you from now on. <laughs> There's your marketing for you. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. I know, right? I was like, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So as a personal coach, what do you, um, how, do you, how do you get business? Do you advertise? Do you just get people to follow you? Or what, what's the plan? Uh, so, yeah, normally just word of mouth is what I've been going. Uh, I was doing a little bit of advertising, but word of mouth is definitely the most powerful. Yeah, um, And at the moment, because I have been in the mining industry for eight years, I've got to know a few people. Yep. So now um, I'm definitely going into sort of more corporate, especially in the in the fly and fly out. It's so negative out there. And when I went back, back out there for the second time after doing a lot of my work, once again, I was like, why is it so bad out here? Like, there's got to be something to it. And I just sort of started researching and digging. And then I was like, I've got it. So basically what we've got, we've got a three-to-one negative bias, which means we have three negative thoughts to one positive. Mm-hmm. And that's through, once again, our natural selection. So basically for 60,000 years, we only had a reptilian brain, which is instinct, which is survival. You know, what's its survival mechanism? Look for dangers. Look for what's wrong. You know, look for you know, stuff that can kill us. So, but today, you know, when's the last time you were going to work and a tiger come out and try to eat you? When's the last time you'll come to work and another tribe like attack you and try to kill you? So we don't really need to be looking for dangers as much as what we did, but our old programming is like, we've got to keep looking for what's wrong and what's wrong. Yeah, yeah, as opposed to what's right. As opposed to what's right. So now what we do is we don't have them, them hazards anymore, them dangers. So now what do we look for? Or what so and so saying about me, you know what I mean? And we're looking at things that aren't going to kill us, but it's still bringing on that same. Social st- media is a fucking good idea, isn't yeah, it? and still bringing on that same <laughs> stress response. Yep. Um, that we would have been getting back then. So, you know, and this is why I'm like, well, now our neurological pathways work very similar to a muscle, or and very similar to like electrical cable. So the more you go down a certain pathway of thought then the bigger and the stronger that pathway gets. And because a thought is an electrical signal, it goes down the path of least resistance. So how many times have you been sitting there at night, lying there, trying not to think, and it's just going down that negative thought over and over, because it's just going down that, that same pathway. But if we can start looking for what's right by practicing gratitude, then we can now create a new pathway. And if you start using that over and over through repetition, repetition, then that pathway gets bigger and this pathway now shrinks just like a muscle. If you don't use it, it shrinks. Now, if your biggest, uh, strongest pathway is looking for what's right, looking for what's good in the world, positive thinking, all that type of stuff, then you can be literally sitting there at night and you'll, you'll root, uh, your rumination will be looking for what's right. And how, how powerful is that when you can be sitting there and, and being in a positive state of mind without even trying because you've trained your, your mind to look for what's right instead of looking for what's wrong. Just really, really cool. That's fucking awesome. Yeah. Mate, it's been one of the best conversations I've had in ages. Like, I, I really love hearing your story, and I reckon that a lot more people out there should hear your story. A few questions I like to always ask at the end of my podcast. What's your greatest achievement in life so far? I never put so far on that normally. <laughs> but yours are still to come, for sure. 
Uh, yeah, it would be that I didn't that that night when I was sitting there. It was the fact that I made that decision to not give up, and the fact that I stuck to my word. And I, if I said if I found a way to help other people get through this, then I'd I'd teach it. So, who is the person who's had the most influence on you personally or career wise? Is there one? Uh, I wouldn't say there's a single person. Um, no, I couldn't put it down. I, look, it, and I, I actually don't even think it's the person I've met. It's more just like the Dr. Martinis and those sort of. Yeah, people. you know what I mean. Uh, and because I, yeah, just every single book that I read, I get something out of it. And I don't think there's one single one that was like, oh, this aha moment. Like I know people go, oh, I read this book and you know, it changed everything. And I was like. We'll read another 50 books and they'll all change something too, you know what I mean? And so I didn't ever have a one moment, I don't th- a one person, but I think collectively I've just taken bits and pieces from, you know, at the moment I'm, I'm really big on uh, Joe Dispenza. I mm-hmm. think he's at the cutting edge of, of what we need to be. He's that next kind of level. He's brought the, the spirituality and the science and brought it in as one, which is absolutely uh, incredible. There's a lot of the naysayers out of there as well, doesn't it? Because actually it's science. Well, that's it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like your people listen to you know, Eckhart Tolle, the pair of now, you know, mm-hmm. he's got no, I suppose, study behind him, but, you know, he, he has done what a lot of people want. You know, he's got that enlightenment or, or whatever, or the nirvana or, or whatever. But, uh, yeah, when he speaks, it's coming from the heart, but there's no science to back it up, whereas yeah. Joe Dispenza's, you know, He's got neuroscientists there doing studies at, at all these events and he's, you know, testing and, and showing and, you know, he's really brought sort of the, the quantum physics and, the, you know, the neurology and epigenetics and all that. And he's all brought that in and all these different studies and, and now, yeah, he's proving that, you know, science is actually proving spirituality, which is we're in a really, really cool space and I think uh, consciousness in the world is definitely rising. So... I'm actually really looking forward to to see where where he can take things and, and and you know I'd like to be a part of that if I can so yeah awesome made some quick fire questions to end up with favorite food lasagna favorite song has to be one can't be a band has to be a song favorite song oh you put me on the spot oh, yeah that was the plan <laughs> uh I actually really like Sound of Silence by Disturbed. Great song. Favorite place in the world? I really like Bali. Yeah. Mm, surf's amazing. <laughs> to paddle around in. <laughs> What's next for Ryan Baker? What's next for Ryan Baker is um yeah, traveling around Australia and the world and creating awareness about the power of gratitude to the mining companies. Um, because basically like I said before, I found a link at why I think it is very bad out there. So safety culture out there is huge. But as we know, when something like that happens, there's always, there's always a repercussion. And like I said before, you know, all we're doing is training our neurological pathways. And because the safety culture out there is huge, which is great because it kept us alive, which is what our brain's supposed to do. Yeah. But they're pushing it that hard that, you know, you're constantly doing take fives, you're constantly doing JHAs, you know, all day you're writing down what's wrong with this job, what can kill us, you know, blah, blah, blah. And you're just training your brain more to look for what's negative. wrong. 
And then they go home and, you know, what's wrong with their wife? What's wrong with their kids? Mm-hmm. What's wrong with their life, you know? And I was like, well, this now makes sense that these people out there are so negative and complain so much because the safety culture is actually programming them to look for what's wrong. And I was like, fuck, you know, this is something That's we need so to change. True. So now I'm like, you know, we need to do a take five at looking at your job. You know, this is what can kill us. These are the hazards. These are, you know, blah, blah. And then we need to do another sheet to then neutralize and go, what's right about this job? Well, this job might be in the shade. Well, that's pretty cool. Oh, this job, I'm actually learning something new. Mm-hmm. Um, this job's paying for my kids to go to school. This job's this, you know what I mean? And then you're going to walk into that job actually for a bit more of appreciation for that job. And then you're going to do better work. So it's a bit better on productivity, which we know that's what the minds mm, really 100%. care about. <laughs> but that's, that's your sales pitch to the mind. Do you want me to make you more money? I know that. So if I <laughs> trust me, I've got two pictures. I've got, I love it. I talked about gratitude, but yeah. if I'm talking to senior management, yeah. I'm selling. It's a dollar. It's I'm selling the dollar. the dollar. I'm yeah. selling the dollar, and more uptime, more money in the door. Yeah, and I'm selling obviously safety because they're yeah. big on safety because you know they got to meet certain targets or blah, blah blah. So I sell money and that to the to the managers, yeah. but then when I'm talking to the guys, I'm selling you know well being. We need to change this because I don't know if you've looked at the curve for anxiety and depression. It's that steeper curve that if you've it's got. It's not even a hockey stick anymore, mate. It's a straight line. Yeah. Up. Yeah. Mm. So uh, you said that you've got kids. So mm. it's not a matter of if they get it, it's when. Yeah, like, 100%. And yeah, and that's something that I'm, you know, when I'm out there, and that's sort of something that I'm trying to, to portray. I'm like, if you guys got kids, and most of you are. We need to do something now, guys. Mm. Like, you know, not just for work, you know what I mean? And I'm not here to to try and sell you something for the company so they can make more money. I don't give a shit how much money they make. I'm here for you guys because I want you to get a better mindset. And, yeah, it is going to help the, the minds as well, but it's going to help you. It's going to help your family. It's going to help your kids. It's going to help everyone around you if you can just start practicing some of the stuff that I want to implement. So Love it. Mate, well, as I say, one of the best conversations I've ever had. So really thanks so much for coming in and joining me. Thanks for being an awesome human and changed the world, brother. Thank you. I'm uh, really honoured to be here, mate. So hopefully we can have another chat soon. Sounds good. Thanks, bud. Cheers. Thanks. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And what an amazing human. Don't forget to hit us up on all the social channels at BJ Macker and look out for more Meteorate podcasts.